Before we start this episode, this episode of The Locker Room is presented by bbchick.com. bbchick is a recruiting service made just for women's basketball players. Unlike other recruiting websites, this innovative hub offers an enchanting blend of affordability and unwavering support, empowering coaches to forge deep connections with talented players through their own personalized live profile. With access to over 2,000 coaches, bbchick can help you contact coaches through email and monitor each of their movements on your profile with their remarkable coach tracker bb chick is sure to benefit or kickstart your recruiting process use the link in the description to sign up for bb chick to jumpstart your recruiting with that being said cue the intro music Mic check, mic check, one, two, one, two. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Locker Room Podcast. We are back 2024, releasing weekly again. And what better to start off with Cal State Fullerton golfer, Tegan Andrews, my guy. What's up, dude? What's up, man? How are you? Dude, welcome to the pod. We were just kicking it like all of this morning, talking golf, talking NIL, but we got a wonderful guest getting ready to. Hopefully go pro next year and a half, strong senior campaign coming, but let's just get right into it. Let's talk about how you started playing golf. I mean, we brought up earlier your grandfather, one of the best amateur players or the best amateur player in the country. Yeah. In no, the he was, 40s. Yeah. And then played in what, two masters? Three masters. Three masters, what you said. So if you want to just elaborate on that and how you got into golf. Yeah. I mean, like. I played, yeah, I was like, yeah, I played basketball, like, my whole life when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I can't hear me, by the way, out of this. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay, cool. Good job. But we're, we're, we're reading everything? Yeah. Okay, sweet. Yeah, no, it was, uh, I played pretty much everything from A to Z when I was a little kid, and then when I was, like, 10 um, or 11, my dad kind of introduced me to golf. Well, he introduced me when I was, like, two, but I played basketball for years, right. and then, like, years later, I find out that my grandfather is this stud who is, like, you know... He played in the Masters three times. He played on the Ryder Cup as the oldest member ever. Uh, he actually also invented the yardage guide. So what was no, really, yeah. I, so he was the first crazy. one to go out and like pace to this stump, like 300 yards to this stump, and then like 250 yards to the water here. And like he made like a little map. And then Dean Beeman and Jack Nicholas came over and like, hey, let me see that. And so he showed them, and they all started using it. That's um, crazy. So yeah, he was kind of like the first one to ever do that, and uh, just a huge game innovator. And so I learned about that. I learned about my family's history. Uh, my dad always jokes that my grandfather died about 30 days before I was born, and he always jokes that as my grandfather was heading up to heaven, I was coming down and he tossed me the keys to his golf game. It's like a cool little, cool little start cool to my journey. Story. Yeah, so pretty much since then, I kind of picked up the clubs and, uh, you know, got the bug and uh, haven't put them down since. I don't think I've taken more than more than two and a half, more than three weeks off since I was 11 years old. So it's been a So you've just been... I mean, you started and just hit the ground running. Yeah. Literally. That's crazy. Yeah. No more than two and a half, three weeks off. Like, dude, that's, I mean, that's a lot of reps. That's a lot of rounds. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of how it has to be, though, if you want to be oh, the best. No, I mean, obviously. And I mean, like like I said, you've made it. I mean, Division One athlete now looking to go pro. I mean, from there, was there really like a falling in love moment with golf or was it like the first time you picked up a club or did it come later down the line when you were just really starting to figure it out uh i think well a very visual guy and i think when i started watching roy McIlroy on tv like 20 
2013, 2014-ish, right. maybe a little bit sooner. Um, that's when I was really like, okay, that mm -hmm. that's going to be me one day. Like, I really want to do that. And so he was a huge inspiration for me. Um, I, I can't remember a specific time or day. I just I just remember that time in my life when I first I got my first set of clubs. I think I bought, I think I got like a rocket balls drive. Yeah, we were just going to talk about this in college, right? and uh, about the rocket balls you were creation. Yeah. I just fell in love with it. Golf. Yeah, that, that, I love that driver. I love the uh, I love the game. I love the aesthetic. Um, I don't know. I've always been a sports guy, but golf just clicked for me really well. Maybe it's because of the you know my history, the blood running through my veins. But um, yeah, I just love it and. Uh, I've never thought about doing anything else since. I mean, obviously I have other passions, but like, this is what I want to do. But you were like, I mean, you were playing all sports. Yeah. Go. Oh, everything. Yeah. You were playing yeah, everything. everything. I always talk about if Cal State Fullerton ever gets a football team, like <laughs> immediately try to try out for a quarterback and like, play dual sports. So, but well, that probably did you just, what else did you play in high school? Uh, well, interestingly enough, I was homeschooled. Uh, really? You can already tell I was homeschooled for like six years. No uh, yeah. So I, from fourth grade till through sophomore year. Ali, that's crazy. Yeah. So I didn't. Then you were just playing all like individual tournaments. Yeah, like a ton of individual tournaments for golf. It was great for golf because you know I'd spend. Yeah, I could. I wasn't distracted by, you know, the normal everyday school stuff. School didn't take up nearly as much time right. in my day that normal that a normal kid would. But I mean, I were. I'd play all day long, and I'd come home. And my mom would be like, "Hey, did you do math today?" And I was like, "Yeah, I kept score." And she's like, "Oh, okay, perfect." <laughs> so, like, so that was yeah, that was the. Uh, it kind of killed me in my education when I jumped back into public high school in junior year because I was way behind in classes. But, um, but it was cool because I also learned like a bunch of other stuff in homeschool that you would never think about. Like I, I learned mock trial and debate. So put me in a courtroom. I know exactly what to do. And I've had a couple really cool like age com classes where he's te like these college students have never done debate before. And I've done like, you know, three years of formal policy. Like I knew stuff that like they like the really obscure stuff that you wouldn't know in normal school. That's I also started like playing i started uh editing when i was 10 so oh so yeah that's what i was gonna ask yeah so you like i mean i was going through i'm not gonna say stalking but it's okay going, we all, we all like, going through your like ig reels i'm like like damn you've been going a while yeah you're old i mean i don't know what your oldest one was i couldn't like check the date on it but like i mean the fact that you said editing from 10 is crazy yeah it was so you've like what'd you start on iMovie no, I was a Final Cut guy, and I was, uh, yeah. So you didn't start, like, super basic. You were, like, right into, like, yeah. great software. Well, my dad was an editor. Well, my dad was a, both my parents were in the film industry. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, and my dad was a writer turned full-time filmmaker editor, and so he started, when I was born, or when I was a really little kid, he was really into editing. So he showed me Final Cut. I started on editing on Final Cut, and then I jumped into Premiere probably, like, two, three years later, so I was, like, 12 years old, and, um... I took this homeschool class every Friday. We'd go. We'd learn editing from this girl, Lisa Jackson. She's phenomenal. And her, her husband is uh, he, multiple Emmy Awards and stuff. Like, they're all, the whole family is so crazy talented in the film. That's crazy. But she would teach us every Friday for free. And it was probably like a thousand, like, you know, a couple thousand dollar class if she were to actually charge. But she didn't. She just taught us for free. So for like five, six years, I learned this trade. And by the time I was 16, I was editing professionally. And so it was like I had this, this you know, between mock trial and debate and filmmaking and weird stuff like ballroom dancing like I learned dancing and stuff like for four years like all these crazy cool homeschool classes that like it just t it taught me some things that I could use 
later down the line that you would never expect. Like, I'm not going to use algebra. Like, I'm, uh, like math to me was not really a, a big thing, but that's what they push in public schools. And instead, I'm learning all these crazy, obscure classes and actually getting to apply them like years later. Math was how hard am I, or how far am I hitting the driver? Yeah. Exactly. How many putts am I taking? Exactly. I could count, <laughs> I could count up to 72 holes and that was pretty much it. Yeah, never 73. Far, far <laughs> below. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude, that, yeah, that's crazy. So then, I mean, being in video editing for so long, you've literally like grown up because you're what, 21, 22? 22. So you've seen the trend from like long form content on YouTube yeah. and then Vine came in and like, and obviously that stopped and then that before musically and then TikTok came in and just changed everything. Yeah. So from your perspective, like, do you, I mean, obviously like video editing has become so much more accessible with, you know, CapCut and yeah, yeah, yeah. what else, but CapCut's really the big one. Yeah. But how do you feel now, like that you've been in that space for so long and you have all the tools and now you have even more like CapCut? Cause we were talking, yeah. cause it was like, we both use CapCut for short form content. How much easier does it make your stuff as far as like content creation goes? Yeah, it, it makes it like, I can jump on CapCut, throw in a little video I took earlier on the course, be done in a minute to two minutes. Right. And two days later, I've got a couple thousand views on a video. Mm. And it's, it's cool because it's like, it's actually, it's kind of demeaning too because like I'll spend a really long time on a long form video for something yeah. and then it just gets like no views. I'm like, great, I just put all that time and effort into something that doesn't even get seen. But like, Literally, like we were talking, like the simpler you make it, the better. The quicker you get to the point, the quicker you make the video. Like, I guess human attention spans are so small. So, <laughs> but I mean, it, I just straight like, down. Yeah. But a CapCut makes it easy. You know, even Premiere, I'm really quick in Premiere. But like the short form stuff, if I'm just posting a small video on Instagram, like throw it into CapCut, zoom in from like 0% to like 0.5%, and there you go. There's a video. And now it's done. Like, that's all it takes. So, what were you doing, like, video editing when you were younger? Just like, I made a lot of short films. Really? Yeah. I have a couple out like, there that are impossible to find for good reason because they're <laughs> terrible. But they, uh, <laughs> I love doing them, man. I love making that stuff. I love, uh, I love, I love telling stories. I'm a huge storyteller, and I always will be a storyteller. And, um, even though I want to play professional golf, there's so much I want to do, um, in the film world and in the creation world, just like making art, um, always been a part of me and always will be but that was like the big thing we talked about earlier yeah. was like storytelling because i was like when we first sat down and you're like we were talking about the pga and live yeah and you're like if i had the option to like take 500 million and go to live or i could go to the pga obviously it's a hard decision to step away from 500 million and you know debatably if you had the willpower or not, but like the PGA has a story to it and like you valued the story and you know, what Big you time. said about your grandfather. Like, oh yeah. There's so much story behind that. So, I mean, back to golf. So now you finish homeschool or you go back to high school. Was there an adjust, I mean, obviously class adjustment and getting back caught up, but like, was there a difference for you when it came to just playing like high school golf or was it just like that transition was slim to none? To me, it was just like, that was kind of the, one of the main reasons I went back to public school, just because I really wanted to play on a team. Um, and get that experience. Yeah. I mean, but if you know anything about high school golf and junior golf, like coaches don't look at high school scores. They don't. Because they're playing like a bunch of, you know, the variety between good teams and bad teams are so catastrophic that you could be playing one team that shoots a million over par, and then you can go play a team that's like one of the best in the state, and they're both in your division. So it just depends on like, 
like who in the junior golf world happens to go to this high school. So they don't look at that. They always look at outside tournaments. I really just want to experience. Would you say the course difficulty in high school tournaments is lower or is it about the same? There's just not a lot of good courses that'll let high school teams on. Really? You know, so we had a, we played at this course, Tierra Ahada. That was like, it was actually, it was pretty, it's a pretty fun course. It used to be a lot better, but you shoot like your tee box is on a mountain and you shoot down to a valley and it's like, if the winds kick up, it's just so unfair for, you know, right. so many of these like kids who don't know how to play golf and they're just hitting it off the planet. So the rounds were like six and a half hours long and it was brutal. So like, again, like high school golf was just such a, it, it was a, it was too, it wasn't good enough of a pool to pick players from and be like, oh, he's really good. Yeah. So you'd go and play outside tournaments. So I just continued doing right. that. I just wanted to go to high school. I wanted to like meet some people, to, like have a little fun. Yeah. I actually think, uh. It's funny. I, I went to, I like to say I went to high school to play on a golf team, but there was this girl that I really liked when she was going to high school, <laughs> high school that I was going to, so I was like, mom, I want to get out of homeschool. I just got to go play golf. I got to go play golf. And so I went to the high school where this girl was. And I kid you not, that semester, she switched to homeschool. No. <laughs> <laughs> the same semester. I was like, that backfired as good as awesome and good of it. It was so funny. So like literally, especially it was like an impulse of like sixteen yeah. year old. You're like, exactly. end of the world. But I was like, all right, I'm here anyways. I might as well stay. Let's ride it out. <laughs> That's golden. Yeah. When was uh when was the first time you broke par? Ooh, I don't remember. Really? I don't remember. I've been playing. The only thing I can remember really pretty clearly is um. My dad used to say like. He used to argue with me and be like, you're going to give me a stroke like on this side, like a stroke on the nine. And I was like, hell no. And then like a year later, he was like, you can give me a stroke on this side. And I'm like, dad, I'll give you a stroke a hole. Like I was just, I got so good in like a span of a year that I was like all of a sudden going from like high seventies, low eighties to shooting in like the low seventies pretty consistently. So it was, uh, it was, you know, that's the transition that I remember. I don't remember exactly what happened in between there or the first time I broke par, but, um, but yeah, that was the all those. How old were you when that was going on? It was probably like I'm a late bloomer. I didn't get very good at golf until I was like 16, really? 17 years old. Yeah, that's crazy. So, so you like it was just like something just started clicking. Yeah, and just got the ball rolling. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, ever since I started. I grew up in Malibu, which is like you know, yeah, everybody knows Malibu. Um, but I was like, my parents didn't have a lot of money. They were great as far as supporting me because they encouraged the hell out of me, but they didn't, they couldn't ever like financially support me the way they wanted to. Right. So I'm rolling up to Westlake Golf Course on the bus, and every other competitor I played against rolled up in Teslas. And so these kids, but it was actually really good for me. And I think there's something to say about get like being comfortable with right. getting uncomfortable and, right. yeah. and struggling to fight for what you want because these kids would roll up in Teslas and then two hours later they go to a pool party. I was on the bus and my next bus didn't come till like six hours later. So I was on the range just scraping balls off the side of the driving range for hours until somebody yelled at me and practicing for hours until it was too dark or that. It's so crazy. It made me good. It made me, it separated me from the players who didn't really want it and the guys who did. And I was at the top of that because I wanted it so bad. I was a bad um, thing like we talked about with yeah. like college sports. Yeah. It was like a big thing we talked about like earlier was yeah, we were talking about the twenty hour, the twenty yeah. hour rule, and you're like, "Well, yeah, that's a rule, but the people who are actually going to play are the ones who go double that, hundred percent, or you know, two and a half times, uh, you know, depending on how much yeah work you're putting in and what your schedule's like." But no one, if you're going to play, no one's doing the minimum. 
Yeah. Which is so crazy. So you've just been doing that from the beginning. So yeah. that was never like you got to college and you didn't want to lose your spot. It was more like, oh, I've been doing this for, oh yeah, so God knows how long. Like the transition as far as work goes was just so easy. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, I mean, that's got to be like a pretty cool thing though. Like looking back, cause you're like, man, like I had to figure out my way of like doing things. I had to I'd get creative when it came to that stuff. That's so cool. Yeah. It's such like an underdog story too. Like, <laughs> cause you can look at that now. Yeah. And from like a content creation standpoint, like, I don't know if you'd ever do this, but like someone would be like, that's like a flex now. Like you're like, I've done it. Like I've been there. I've done that. Like that's sweet. Yeah. But I mean, especially too, cause you're, you say like, I mean, you obviously you got to high school, but like you had, you didn't have the distractions until you went there. And then you were so locked in already. It was like, you didn't have anything else to focus on. It was just school golf. And yeah, it was, it was a weird transition. And it was, it was stranger too. When, uh, you know, I basically got into high school junior year, had a full year of public exposure and, right. you know, being yeah. kind of in the normal school setting. And then COVID hits my senior year. And then we go into high school at the freshman year of college, and that's still basically a COVID year. There's just me and 60 other athletes on campus at Cal State Fullerton, and that's it. Like, that was it. It was a ghost town. And then finally, sophomore years, things start to, like, people start to flood campus, and now I'm in a real college setting. And it wasn't until probably sophomore year where I figured out, like, oh, this is how you, like, socialize, like, normally. Like, this is what it is. Like, the... It was funny when I came out of homeschool, I was like, okay, I want to be the first homeschool, like homeschooler to break the norms of like the weird homeschool kid. I'm just going to be like really extroverted. And, and I was extroverted, but I was still weird. So I, it was just like a much more loud, weird as opposed to like some homeschool quiet, like that are like quiet kids who like don't talk or anything. So figuring out how to, you know, just, I guess you could say like socialize like a normal person took right. a lot longer than you would, I mean probably what you would expect from a homeschool kid. But like, I, I loved, I loved being homeschooled and I loved the time that I had to get good at golf. And by the time I got into high school, I kind of, I just didn't, for some reason, like partying and stuff, like it just wasn't, wasn't for you. It just wasn't. I was, I was the same way. Yeah. I was like, well, I was still hooping at the time. I was yeah. like, I didn't really care. I was like, I just wanted to play basketball at the next level. Obviously that didn't work out because I'm here now. Sure. But the like, drive, that drive. Like having the drive and being like, yeah, like I could. I mean, to be honest with you, I'd never got invited, but I was like, yeah, like yeah, I don't really like feel like going out of the same. Like I say that I just didn't go. Like I totally just wasn't invited. To- yeah, yes, <laughs> nah. But it was like, but it it, it developed a, a lot of character in having that drive, especially too. Like I loved. I always like. I mean, I worked with trainers and stuff, but I love just working by myself. I love yeah. being able to walk in, and it's the same for you, like walking into an empty gym or walking down yeah. range when it's just cleared out. It's great going to like, and you said, and like you said, you are a no music guy in like range. You like to hear it. Yeah. The ball. Like, yeah. Brooks kept talking. I couldn't be the same way when I was hooping. I was like, yeah, I'm blasting Travis. Yeah. Whatever. Well, I'm, yeah. Like I'm blasting whatever. <laughs> I don't care if it's 6 a.m. or yeah. 8 p.m. I'm like, I want some music to get me going. But it, obviously with golf, it's a lot different. I guess so. It's a, it's just different for everybody. You know, everybody's preference. I just love, I've been working with a guy in Costa Mesa for a couple months now. He's probably the reason, his name's Justin Franson, and um, he's probably the reason I actually had such a good fall semester this year. Really? He, he's like a kind of holistic, um, uh, 
nerve system guru and he kind of so he's like connecting like the mind and connecting the mind the body to the earth and everything like that and he really taught me how to center myself and to center my focus in ways that I never thought were possible or in ways that I just never even really knew about. And so I started working with him and had a phenomenal fall season just because I felt so much more grounded in the, you know, high pressure situations where you're kind of staring down a 20 footer that you've got to make. It's like knowing how to focus on the three separate things of your read, your speed and your line and really break yeah. those down and, and clutch up. Like it was so hard for me because my mind, my nervous system was going like this all the time, but he helped me slow it down to like this. And so I was so much more connected and so much more focused. And then everything like got a little Was he golf-centered or was he just like strictly just like spiritual and no, mindful? No, not spiritual. Definitely mindful. Yeah, that's, um, that's what I was going for. Spiritual too. I mean, he's, you know, I think him and I are pretty on a similar page as far as spirituality and like our beliefs and stuff like that, which was cool to talk about as well. But it was mainly like mind and body. Um, right. And he works with a lot of world-class gymnast, a lot of world-class, like, uh, other sports. Uh, he worked with a guy named John Cook, who was a golfer on the uh, Champions Tour. Right. And he won, like, nine events after he started working with this guy. Oh, and God. So, like, the, the results are there. Like, I thought at first, like, this guy's crazy. And then, like, a couple minutes in, I was like, okay, I'm sold. I'm like, he, yeah. he just knows what he's talking about. And you just wouldn't, I guess you just wouldn't think about it like that until that was you have an answer thing. to you. That's, like, what's so interesting, I feel like, that separates golf is, like, from other sports is one it's like it's you against the world but yeah. two is there's so much more connection between you and your club your feet ground yeah it's you against you really yeah i mean but there's so much mind body connection compared yeah. to everything i don't know golf is such a such an interesting sport when it comes to that stuff and especially like to like golf in theory you're your own worst enemy true yeah. so being able obviously being able for you to you know, be mindful and yeah. really ground yourself. I mean, that gives you such an advantage and being able to, especially like high pressure situation, like 20, let's paint the picture, 20 foot putt, whatever. Yeah. You know, either save par, get a birdie. I mean, heart rate's probably going up a little bit. Your ner your mind's all over the place, but being able to ground yourself, like, dude, that gives you an insane oh, yeah. advantage. Even yeah. such a high pressure environment. And yeah. obviously like, I can't probably put myself in that situation, but when it comes to like a Division One golf tournament, like that gives you every single Absolutely. advantage. Yeah, for sure. You need that extra edge, and it wasn't until I learned how to do that that I started actually like scoring a lot better. And you can be your own worst enemy, or you can be your greatest ally. And it's just about True. how are you talking to yourself? How are you? How are you grounding yourself? How are you mm. focusing in when you need to focus in, and like what that takes? And I also were the other biggest thing for my whole career in college so far has been our mental performance coach, Brian Kane. I work with, he's like, a, he's worked with uh, countless UFC guys, a ton of golf, corn fairy guys, a, a couple PGA tour guys, um, Cy Young award winners. He works with Corbin Burns and all these guys. He's, he's top tier. And he has really taught me how to quiet my mind and meditate and get to the space where I need to be. And he, he if you take the stuff that he says seriously, like our teammate, my teammates do. And I do, it gives you, that much more of an edge because golf is a mental game and if you can't master that part you're probably not going to get it done physically like i'm right. very naturally athletic and i can work think work the ball with my hands and kind of do what i can do naturally and athletically but it all comes down to the mind and how well you can quiet and how we how well you can refocus and he has been the guy him and justin have been the two guys who i right. really attributed a ton of my success like mindfully because i i used to be a hothead on the course and i'm still not perfect but i I, I think I talked to you about this. I redshirted last year, right. junior year. Um, 
the fall, I just wasn't playing well at all. And then in the spring, I was playing well again, but I was so, I was such a head case and I was so like, just not taking my mental performance seriously. And I had been warned about throwing clubs before. And then it was one day we were qualifying. I was playing like, t- playing terribly. I've thrown, I've thrown a couple balls too. I, I could have signed in. Like the feeling of like regret after too. Dude, I, I tell you. In the you, moment you're like, but after you're like. Yeah. Well, it, not only that, but it was consequential too. Cause I threw this club. I kid you not like 75 to 78 yards. It was so <laughs> far. And I, I, I'm swear if so there's NFL, so that's where, there. that's where the QBG that's comes where the QB, Yeah. <laughs> I, I realized maybe I'm playing the wrong sport, but I threw this thing so far. And what like coach found it, I wanted, it was a pitching wedge. I threw, I blasted one way over the green on 13 at Cota de Casa. And it was, I was already like seven over par. Just having a bad day. And, um, night. Yeah, and I, I threw a couple clubs that day, but I had been warned by my coach, like, don't do it. Like, you're you're becoming a problem with how much you're costing us because GM see this, course sees it. So, you know, of course, the GM. Especially, like, you want to keep a solid reputation. Yeah, exactly, and I got to keep a reputation for my team, too. Like, right. I represent my team. I represent my school. I represent my family name. And so, like, through this club, somebody found out, told my coach, my coach said, you're suspended for the first two weeks of the season. So first two tournaments of the season, I was out. And I was trying to think to myself, okay, I've missed the whole fall. I've missed two events. Now I've got basically five events left in the entire year, but I'm, I'm still going to grind. I'm going to do my very best. I'm going to get back on the squad. Two weeks later, I'm driving on the 60 East going towards school, and I felt my heart stop. I'm going like 80 miles an hour. This is at nighttime. I felt my heart stop. And then my I couldn't breathe, and my vision went blurry. And I'm starting to black out, and I pull over to the right side of the road. I'm still going like 75 miles an hour, and I, I'm out, completely blacked out. Five minutes later, I wake up on the far left side of the freeway up against the divider wall. No idea how I got there, because I was out. I was out cold. Was you out? It just seized up, or like? I thought it was a heart attack. I thought it like could have been a brain aneurysm. I didn't really get to. It was funny because like when I. After the whole thing, I pulled over, the paramedics came, and then they said, you're fine. So I went back to school and I shot hoops like two hours later. But I probably should have gone straight to the hospital because it was so scary. And um, I thought you just said that's okay. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I just went like, I just went out of hoops. So I just, went like, up, put hours. up 30. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it was, I should have gone to the hospital and I did like a week or two later. But by that point, they, to this day, we haven't figured out. Really? Um, has anything happened since then or is it just- No, it's been it's been okay since then, but it, it was just the weirdest feeling, like a pulse in my throat and then my heart stopped and my brain shut off. It was like all the lights on your dashboard going off when your car isn't working. That's how it felt. And mm-hmm. I was like, at that point, I kind of told my coach, I'm like, I got too much going on right now. I'm going to sit out the season. Like, please let me sit out the season. And he was like, take your time, do what you need to do. So oh, red stretch after something like that. Yeah, like, how could- that was the last. Like, dude, I mean, that's crazy though. I shouldn't have survived. Like, I got- no, that's what I mean. Like, you were saved by the grace of God, Seriously. the fact that you didn't die behind the wheel. Especially because, like, the fact that you were like, okay, I'm going to pull off to the right, to the right, and you end up all the way on the left. No idea how. I should have died. Did people ever, like, see, did you have witnesses who, like, saw When I woke up, the cop was doing the round robin thing on the freeway, stopping all the cars. I was out of the, I was out of the way, but. But still, like, it was, I have no idea how I ended up there. It was 722 at night. And then it was 727 when I woke up. And I don't know how I got from the right. Oh, so you were not even out that long. Five minutes. Wow. But crazy. still, like, going 75, 80 miles an hour, I, should, I, I shouldn't be here. And that was not the only time. Like, by the grace of God, and I know he's watching over me, I should have been dead like five times over. And, you know, I'm still here. So 
He's got doing some, he's doing something. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that was a, that was the craziest moment in my life for sure. I was shaken up for weeks after, but <clears throat> that whole year that I had off, I was developing and grinding and working on my game. And then after that, I really worked on my mental and tried to get that back into shape and I'm not perfect, but I'm better. And it's like, it's made me. And that's, that's what it's about. Though. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Just getting better every day. And the, the the seriousness that I've taken on my mental game, like the, the, the effort that I've put into that this year has been more than I ever have. And mm. that's what's made me, that's what gave me such a good season. That's what, that's why I played really well. I attribute it all to the mental aspect because I've, I've always had, I've always loved, you know, trying to make my swing perfect and stuff, but that's like 10% of the game. And Oh yeah. People, I mean, I've, that's something I've really like been wanting to look more into is like the idea of like sports psychology because yeah. it's more it's more mental than oh yeah 100 percent. anyone can be not to downplay anyone who's a college athlete because we've had great athletes but anyone can be an okay athlete yeah if you get the right tools but to be great takes mentality yeah and men- not just mental toughness but like uh, how am i gonna put this like a high like iq or a high like knowledge of your mind and your body so like with that being said you're taking you know you're taking time to really touch base on like you know how you ground yourself you know obviously like your breath is probably a big thing of it breath is huge breath Breath and heart rate are connected until i started to learn how to breathe until i was ready like breathe until i could literally feel my heart rate go down Mm -hmm. I, i was playing terrible golf but like when i figured that out made everything so that was the that was the biggest thing i ran a half marathon last may yeah literally like dude and i kid you not all my training was like i was playing open gyms with the basketball team like three days a week and then would run on the weekends but like at first when i first started running it could maybe i was going like 7 30 pace by top out like four miles yeah and then my roommate was like no you have to start slow and then so research and after that you have to start slow. So to be able to run far, you obviously have to be in good shape, but you have to start slow and be able to control your heart rate. Yeah. So through the breath and like through pacing, next thing you know, I go on a run like a week and a half later, run like seven and a half miles and like felt fine. Like yeah. I wasn't like, cause I would run like four and be like gassed. Yeah. Like where's a garbage can? I ran seven. I was like, Dude, I feel like it's going I could have gone longer. Yeah. Like, so the breath is so important. And I learned that I actually took a yoga class when I was in Did you actually? Dude, yoga classes change lives. I <laughs> came to yoga. So we did yoga. So my varsity coach had us do yoga every Saturday when I was a freshman. And then never really did it after that because we, we had a couple of coaching changes. And like senior year, I was like, yoga. I was like, yeah, I want an easy class. Like, why not? I did think, oh, I'm going to take this super seriously. I ended up getting in there. I was like, no, I should actually really take this seriously. Oh, yeah. About, like, even from just doing yoga, but, like, understanding, how do I want to put this? Not necessarily, like, the physical aspect, but, like, the mental philosophy of, like, controlling your breath and, like, understanding the mind. Because, like, the big thing was, like, I learned from that was, like, meditation and being able to, like, snap out of it. Like, not let your mind race, but, like, if your mind starts racing, like, snap out of it and go, like, pause. I need to, like, focus on the breath and just breathing in and out. Because it's crazy how long you can go for. Yeah. Like, just, like, if you're, like, I'm going to focus on my breath. Because the next thing you go, like, 30, 45 minutes go by, and, like, you finally, like, you know, get out of it, and you're, like, 
whoa, like what that, but that's how you truly feel grounded. And the benefit of like sports performance in that is crazy. Yeah. As I was, I was the same way in high school. I was yeah. tired. I led my team in technicals. Did you actually? On the ball. I definitely did too when I was playing oh, football dude. and basketball. We had, so our starting center, Luke, who plays at Cal Lutheran and he gets hurt. Yeah. I'm the second tallest guy on our team. So he's, my coach is like, all right, why go play something like, I'm going like Draymond Green. <laughs> The amount of dirty, oh, it wasn't like flagrant fouls, but I would like, I'd get like some stupid, well, I'd be playing against like six, eight kids. Yeah. And like, you know, throwing elbows and like elbows, like jabs in the post or like, yeah. Couple like, you know, maybe one or two dead legs. Don't, I didn't say that. was really incriminating himself. Oh, yeah. Like, have you ever played against him in high school basketball? Now you know where to leave, leave a comment below. <laughs> um, oh, like a ref. F, oh, dude, I, I, I'm ashamed that I cussed out a fair amount of refs. And, oh, yeah. But I mean, then it was like, oh, there were a couple times where it was like, I remember there was one, and it was like, got tied up in a jump ball. The ref blows the whistle, jump ball. I just shoved the kid off me. Yeah. Really? Did yeah, I mean. Like, but it was like, but after, and looking back, I was like, yeah. I can kind of laugh at it now because it was pretty funny, but at the same time, I'm like, it's not my proudest moment. And like really being able to, understand it because i took a lot of time after like i stopped trying to walk on and i was done i was like why why was i so like hot-headed and did you figure it out yeah just like it's always i mean i'm like you just competitor love being competitive like love i want to be like as good as i can at whatever i do and it just came down to like sometimes you just need to like take a step back and be like even like a pickup game like dude i would like miss like a layup or slap the wall like whatever but yeah no like i mean mental aspect at any level of sports but just like life skill in general like some like obviously with you it was like after something like that like you have to figure it out and like so for you to have like the mental aspect to be like all right like i need to be a man and like really take care of this so i can have finish out my college career successfully and then turn pro dude that takes a lot of effort and that takes a lot of like Real growing up, for sure. Yeah. Not to say that you weren't before, but, like, you unlock a whole new level of maturity with that. Yeah, and I'm still going. You know, I still screw up a lot. And, you know, I mean, I don't think my coach... We're in our... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I, I I really do think I mean well in a lot of ways, but sure. I do screw some things up, for sure. And But, I, you know, most of the stuff I screw up, most of the stuff, not all, but most of the stuff that I do to, um, you know, get in trouble or whatever it is, or it's because I care. Like, I'm not throwing a club 78 yards because I don't care. Like, I, I really want to be the best. Exactly. And I, like, you just, like, you want to be good and you want to, like, the thing is, is, like, you just put in so many hours, you're like, I should expect it. Yeah. If I'm going to miss, I shouldn't expect to miss horribly. Yeah. Like, I shouldn't be, like, overshooting the green. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of that comes down to managing your expectations, too. Exactly. You know? I think that was like, the big thing I had to change. Yeah. It was, like, expectation management was huge for me. Yeah. It was, like, controlling what you can control. Controlling what you can tr- control is one of the biggest things our mental performance coach talks about. And it's such a, it's you such an it. asset to have. You huh? hate it. Like you hate it when you hear it. Cause you're yeah. like, it's so corny. Yeah. But it is so true. It's so true. And you got, you know, there's so little that you can control in mm-hmm. especially. I mean, it is a sport where you're not playing against somebody who can interfere with your ball, interfere with your shot, but you interfere with yourself. And then right. it's even more frustrating because you're sure. I'm the only person. And so, yeah. Trying to learn how to fix that, or well, fix that. Trying to learn how to manage that, and that's why I love the Jack Nicholas's kind of formula. I think I 
talked about on my Instagram a little while ago, but like it's every golf shot is 50% setup. I think I remember. Or 50% visualization, 40% setup, 10% swing. Everybody thinks it's like 80% swing. It's not true. And which is why all the videos that I make for the most part, they're not about swing. They're about mental. They're about how you approach the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Golfing your ball, my coach liked to say. My coach, Scott Chop, is in at Westlake Golf Course. He's, I wouldn't be nearly in the spot that I am without him. He is, he has guided me since I've been like 12 years old. Really? He's made sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice for me. And he really, really believes in me. And, uh, he's kind of the only one who's been, cause my dad, like I said, my dad and my mom were huge encouragement, uh, factors in my mm-hmm. career. They always right. encouraged me. They always loved me. They're like, yeah, if you're passionate about it, go do it. But they weren't super hard on me. And he was the, he's the only guy who's ever been like, no dude, like, what are you doing? You need to go practice. You're taking yeah. three days off for pretty much no reason. And there it really wasn't any reason. And I'd, and I'd start sucking. And then he's like, you're not putting the time into it that you should be yeah. to get as mad as you're getting. Like, go put the time in. And then if you get mad, at least it's warranted because you're putting the time in. Yeah. So right. he, you know, he's really shaped my golf game and shaped my swing for, we've been together since 20 or hmm. 2012 yeah. or 2013. So like 10 years. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I owe it all to him. He's great. Definitely. See, I mean, you brought up like your videos and stuff. Let's talk a little bit like about NIL and like content yeah. creation. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, we brought it up earlier. You've been editing videos since you were what, 10, right? Tell us what you said. That's dude. That's still unbelievable to me. Cause I, I mean, I know people who are like, who've definitely grown their Instagram. There's a couple of guys from my high school, but there's also, I mean, Chabin obviously films. Great film school. Yeah. A yeah. lot of people here. Dodge. They're like, a lot of them started. Shout out, John. Shout out Chapman Dodge. Um, a lot of them started like in high school or like just before, but to start it like an elementary school level and do that, that's insane. Yeah. But when did you really realize, was it when NIL really like broke into the scene or was it just like something that you had been doing and you were just like, all right, like let's do full on content creation while being an athlete? Yeah. I love the art of it, honestly. I, I really, Oh, it's great. It's so fun. It's like... Uh... I started off making films, like short films, right. um, like I was mentioning. And that that's really cool, and that's what I love to do the most. But when it comes to content, it's kind of fun to make a video where people start sounding off in the comment section and being like, oh, this is fake. Like, there's no way. Or they start arguing. You're like, I love seeing the whole, I just get my popcorn out and start eating. I was like, oh, it's like comments. It's funny. It's Especially, too, because you're like, oh, yeah, I know this. It's doing what? Yeah, people exactly. start, that engagement starts. I'm like, crazy. thank you, haters. Yeah, exactly. I remember the first video I made that went off was a TikTok video, like, probably when I was, like, 16. Oh, so you were like really right at the beginning of TikTok. Yeah, it was right when TikTok was starting, and I I hit a shot from like forty yards out. Had my camera set up right behind the hole, and the ball and I had some water in the hole, and the ball went straight in. So I tried to dunk it, and it took me like an hour and a half, but I finally dunked it, and um, it went viral. I got like three hundred thousand views or something on it. And a couple of <laughs> like like send this to. Uh, Rick Shields, I think, reposted Shields like that. Yeah, and it was That's like crazy that Shields reposted. Yeah, that. it went off, and it was funny because the the ball leaves the frame for like a couple like a, a, just a second. But like, it was right when the new iPhone came out, where the little black bar where the selfie camera is on, oh. like, so it goes into that part of the frame, and you can't see it. So all the comments are like, "Oh, it leaves the frame." Like, look, you can tell it's fake. But if you scrolled up while you were watching the video, it takes the video off of that little black bar. And you can see the ball actually stays in frame for like the majority, like pretty much the entire video. And it's like, so it, it was a, it was a funny thing. Cause it's like, and I think you know this as well, being like when you throw a little bit of controversy 
in your video or say something maybe that's like a little obscure and ambiguous, you get people who sound off in the comments and then you get people viewing it and sharing it and stuff. And like, that's all part of the art. That's all part of the content kind of creation right. world. It's like, you kind of want to stir up some arguments. You kind of want to like get people debating and stuff. So oh, I, I love just that. And that goes for not just sports, not just golf. That goes for anything. Yeah. Look at like any big content creator. I always love talking about Dave Portnoy. Dave's like, look at, look, look at this pizza rating. Yeah. Like, he literally, like, well, obviously he was already known with Barstool, but then he just took it to another, like, of a level of his personal brand just doing that. Yeah. And now he's doing, like, he did that golf match recently. Yeah. Who is he? Wasn't that with the foreplay guy? Yeah, yeah. And he just got so mad at him. They started, like, arguing. And I, oh, I look at that and I got to be, like, beginning. But those videos, I, like I said, that's all a part of the art. Oh, yeah. It's all, like. Obviously, like everyone wants to like get good engagement and yeah. you know be able to monetize their content, and people like you know some people will grow and kind of get away from that. But really, at the end of the day, it's all at art. Yeah, it goes with any creation, whether it's like the pod, or it's what you do, yeah. or it's anything. Like, it's all in art. So I mean, dude, I think especially where content creation is going now mm -hmm. with college athletes, like that's it's so great that you can finally like monetize yourself. Yeah, not just like have like your own name just because you're a good athlete, but because you make entertaining content. Yeah, that's just what I love to do, you know. And if you're you're not doing this because you, I mean, the main reason you're doing this is because you love it. Yeah. And the main reason I do what I do is because I love it. I I play golf because I love it, and I make content and tell stories because I love telling stories. And I right. So everything else is extra. And yes, I would love to monetize this to the point where I can do it for a living and make it a full time job and. And for, for college athletes and with NIL, with everything, our, my at least my goal, at least with golfers, is that hopefully I'll have enough money doing this stuff when I get out of college to put that towards Q school and start playing on Corn Ferry and mm -hmm. going through the, all the expenses it takes. Some people have to get sponsors. Some people have to grind to find people who will pay their way through Q school. I don't want to have to do that. I want to have like enough stored up from these videos and stuff where I can just put that towards my goal, put that For towards sure. what I love. So it's like, yes, it's a means to an end in some ways, but like I also do it because I love it. I'm not yeah. doing it because it's a, a chore. Like I love creating stuff. I get an idea and I text my teammates. I'm like, oh, guys, like we should shoot this. It'll be fun. Like, let's go. And then like I'll mic them up on the course and we'll go and just shoot stuff. And like what right. turns into something I actually like put all my effort into or if it was just a fun little exercise and who cares? But yeah, I just love doing it. So yeah. I mean, performance also is like a big thing. I feel like no one's, I mean, there are people who figured out the algorithm, but the algorithm's just so advanced now where it's like, you could have so many fault. Oh, dude, I think I have too. But it's like, like I said, the less effort you put in, the better it does. Usually that's how it goes. It's really strange, but yeah. It's so interesting. So let's move on from that. Uh, let's talk about some of your upcoming ideas. Yeah. The thrift store golf. Dude, Shout, hey, been Goodwill. Been Goodwill. So long. Goodwill. Please sponsor this, man. Salvation, Salvation Army. Army. Sponsor this, man. So I, I have this idea. Um, the best, in my opinion, the best time for golf fashion was like the late 90s and early 2000s. Most guys didn't wear it well. Tiger wore it phenomenally. And there were some really cool things that he did in the, in the way that, like the, his U.S. amateur performance with his straw hat and his, his white stripe, uh, white and pink striped polo, like that. It was such a fun, cool 90s, early 2000s type look. And now, lo and behold, 2023, we're kind of going back to that. It's yep. very in right now. Rope hats. Ropes, pattern rope pants. hats, pattern pants, Maubon, uh, you know, all these guys. Eastside Golfs, like they. Like these Callaway pattern pants. They're like yeah. something like John Daly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude. 
No, it's I can't wait to the... bust these out and go maybe break a hundred. Hundred lucky, hundred percent, and film the whole thing and just get people going. Where'd you get those pants? Yeah, but no, I'll throw a club in your honor. Yeah, love it, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, just I, I, my idea is to go and take these uh really cool looks from the late '90s, early 2000s, and go to thrift stores and shop and try to find pieces that kind of look exactly like that and match the look. And it'd be like a cool little like match the look type long form, but not long form video, but like minute or two long video where you go into the thrift store, you try to get, you try to find pants that look exactly like this one that Tiger wore at the Memorial in like 2001. And then you, and then you go and you see his shirt and you're like, okay, I'm going to try to find a collared shirt that looks like that shirt. And then boom, now you found it and you try to recreate the look. And so it's like a whole recreate thrift, the look basically for golf. And that, because with golf is so different like that, you don't have to right. wear a jersey. You're not wearing a jersey. You're not wearing anything that you're required to wear to look like everybody else. You kind of make it your own. So getting into a thrift store and like going and finding your own stuff and like making your own fit and trying to model it after something that has already like has been done right. by Tiger and then make a little video where you intercut shots between uh-huh. Tiger and you or whoever you're modeling and you yeah. and like turning that into a little piece. I think it'd be so I want to I want to talk about your hat theory. Dude. Because we were talking, we were talking about, so we were sitting at Contra, we were talking about, oh, like, I don't remember how it came up, but we were just like, hats. Ah, and- well, we were talking about how hats fit different people's head shapes yeah. very different. And for you and I, we like kind of the high, high crown, right? Head high crown. I don't look good in a low, in a low crown. I don't, and I don't either. You know what? I lo- like Cal State Fullerton, Nike, love you. Um, I don't think personally that the hats fit phenomenally on me. Please get uh, this man just a custom rope hat. Yeah, custom Fullerton Nike. Please, if you can send me some, Nike, some tailored stuff, I would really love it. But no, I, you know, we have our hats that we're supposed to wear. I'm gonna get in a lot of trouble for saying this, but I don't like how they look on me, and I'm a look good, feel good, play good kind of guy. So this season, first two events, or all of the events, I had a couple of rounds where I wore a hat and a couple of rounds where I didn't wear a hat. I was seven under par on the rounds where I did wear a hat. I was 27 under par on rounds where I didn't wear a hat. You can't argue with the results. <laughs> Numbers, I'm never <laughs> lying. I'm not putting on a hat until I shoot over par because I have yet to shoot over par with a hat off. So do you go no sunglasses? I go no sunglasses. That's- I like to get a nice, like level out the forehead tan a little bit. Um, You're bothered by the glare at all sometimes? No, not really. Yeah, I, I kind of, it's pretty lock in. I know, it's weird. And it's Locked. playing hot weather too. So, I mean, we'll see how the late spring comes around when I have to go play in, you know, Palm Springs in 105 degree heat. But, um, no, for the most part, I like playing without a hat on. It doesn't, you know, I like hats bother me, but when they don't look good, I can tell, I can feel it. And I'm like, I want to look good. And so, get the hair flowing, get a little sun on my head. And you ever grow out the flow or not, Ray? Have, yeah. Yeah, freshman year, I remember like, I had, actually, I saw the photo. You were. Yeah. You, yeah, you I had a little chatter going. Well, my dad was a rock star. and he, mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a swimming. So, so your dad was editor, film Everything. <laughs> he was a child actor. He was a rock star. He was a surfer. He was one of the OG skaters. Um, he did everything. Um, he did everything but grow up. <laughs> and he loves hanging out and playing golf and doing everything with me. And uh, I love him. He's like, uh, he's one of my, fe- he's one of my best friends. And he, uh, he had his hair down to his to his butt when he was in the when he was like early 30s that's crazy and um <laughs> he'd walk into a salon and every woman in there would be like i want that i want what he has like i want that hair and he had he had great long flow and so you know freshman year before i came into college i was really growing it out i had it down to about here really and i had a zoom meeting because it was covid with my coach and all the team was on and the last thing my coach said on the zoom meeting he's like last thing you guys are gentlemen so tegan 
put your fucking hat on straight and get a haircut. And I, <laughs> all right, I'm on it. So since then, I haven't grown it out past my neckline. But um, yeah, I got it. I don't know what's the longest I've gone. I think the longest I grew it out for was like six, seven. You've had your hair flowing for six or seven months. Yeah. The thing was, like, dude, I was still hooping. Yeah, it gets in your face. It would just get so gross. I don't know. It's like, yeah. I know. I like it flowing. I'm trying to grow it out now. I've been going, like, I've been going short the last couple months. Yeah, so I had the flow last summer, and I'm like, every time I cut it, I'm like, man, I want the flow back. If I get the flow, I'm like, man, I got to cut it. Yeah, man, I guess. <laughs> if I got in the water. aid of, like, yeah. going back and forth. But now I'm like, all right, I got I to gotta stick with the flow. Yeah, if I'm not surfing enough, I, I can't really do the flow anymore. Really? It, when I get in the water and I get that salt water in my hair, it feels great. It doesn't get too greasy. If You know, it's hydrated um but when i'm not surfing and i'm golfing as much as i am the flow just gets it gets greasy it gets hard to take care of you know especially when you're yeah exactly like or not in my case but oh yeah not but i mean like even with the hat off and it's long i don't want to be standing over a golf shot going like trying to get the hair out of my face you know like i'm trying like i want to focus so this whole season i had relatively short hair but i you know got a clean cut no hat Hair's fl- like, hair's still got some flow to it, you know. So some sun. So when you're done and you're trying to go pro, is the flow coming back? We shall see. We shall see. We shall see. Let's let's dive into that a little bit while we're on the back end of yeah. this episode. You know, what are your plans and you know what what are your goals as far as going pro and then obviously finishing out your college career with a strong senior year this spring? Yeah. Well, yeah, I've got I've got this spring and then I've got a whole. Oh yeah, you have one more year because of the, your red shirt. That's yeah. Right. But um. Yeah, the next year and a half just looks like trying to play as many good tournaments as I can. Um, we play a relatively weak schedule right now, so it's pretty hard to get ranked well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you play the cards you're dealt. And if I can win a couple more times this year, and if I can start to build my rank that way, um, everything's about PGA Tour University points. And right. if, you can, uh, if you can build that, get inside the top 20, I guess maybe it's like the top five. I'm not really sure about exactly how it works but there's a couple different ways to get to the pro circuit now that there mm-hmm. used to be right and go through q school which is i guess plan a um and that's kind of the the norm that people do it's a four month long process and you try to finish in the top i think the top 25 get their corn Ferry tour card the top five get their the top 10 get their pga tour card so it's like there's a couple different ways that q school right. can get you into a certain mm-hmm. level um dp world tours like cards as well like those are available if you're a top 15 or whatever but um that's one way the other way is just to you know win a couple of monday qualifiers and then get into a pga tour uni- like a pga tour events or top 20 and just get your conditional status and go that way but um yeah there's there's a lot there's a lot on the table my, my plan is to go through college finish my degree start playing professional tournaments in fall of 2025 right um and get my tour card so yeah. that's that's the idea. That's the plan. That's the plan. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's looking good right now. So far, just got to keep playing good and not throwing clubs. Hey, that's what it's all about. And you just got to be bigger. Who's the biggest pro creator right now? Is Michael? Has Michael Morris gone pro yet? Yeah, he's pro. Yeah, he's yeah, pro. I think so. You got to be bigger than him. Yeah, I think uh, Wesley Bryan was probably the first oh, breakout star from content to PGA Tour. So coming after you, Mister Mister Bryan. Mike is unreal. Yeah, watching him from because like I started watching Good Good when they were first starting their like really grow bit. I think it was when it was still GM Golf, yeah, still Garrett's channel before yeah. they made Good Good. And I, I mean, Micah could stripe him, and then like 
he really figured it out. And then when he left Good Good, he was like, he what, joined Team TaylorMade. Yeah, right? yeah. And just. Yeah, he's been on a tear. He's been. He's, these guys have great swings. They've got great, um, they've got a great way. They've got, they've got everything they need. They just need to be able to focus in. And that's why it's tough to balance the world between content and, and practice. A lot of my friends, I know a lot of people from LA, a lot of friends who, um, they're really good golfers, but they kind of don't want it as much. They kind of just want to have fun, you know, make content. Which, there's nothing wrong with that. I love that at all. But it's like, you know, but you are able to bang. You obviously separate yourself because you have a particular goal. In yeah. Time. Yeah. When I go out to practice, I'll, I'll spend, you know, maybe 5% of my time sticking a stick in the ground, setting my phone up, taking a mm -hmm. swing or two video, making right. it look aesthetic, making it look cool. And the rest of the time is practice. And mm. some people blur those lines and now they're going like 30%, right. you know, content and now 70% practice, mm. which really blurs into 50, 50. And then you're not really getting any good right. at all. So it's, it's learning how to, for sure, like what your priorities are and making sure that that stays first. Yeah. Put your first things are first, your MITs and everything else is on the back end. So that's, that's kind of where you got to learn to really differentiate. And I think mm. when you do that, you can have a fun time and mm. you can get your work done. So. For sure. So before we end it, we're just going to rattle off a couple of rapid fire questions. Sweet. I'm ready. Uh, what's your go-to club? Two hundred. like two iron. Love that. How far are you hitting that? 290. Jesus. Yeah. Favorite golfer of all time. Roy McIlroy. Favorite Tiger. horse you've ever played. Favorite horse I've ever played? Riviera. If you had the opportunity to play a course in the world, where would you go? Augusta. Augusta? Yeah. What What's behind that? Grandfather played in the Masters three times. I want to play in the Masters, obviously. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's the, uh, it's the end all be all for me. So for sure. I mean, that and the Ryder Cup, wherever the Ryder Cup is being played, I love. I want to get on the Ryder Cup. That's such a that. great. <laughs> um, let's see. Who is the one guy on your team that can get in your head if you guys are in a practice round? Garrett Bow. Really? Yeah. The, uh, we, butt, we butt heads a bit. Uh, I love the guy. I love him to death. But uh, if we can... Uh... He's a chirp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we... Uh, I chirp him right back, too. We've had some good battles. You guys doing, like, the back-off challenge on the tee? Oh, oh, dude, we got to do that. You're going to be so many good ideas right now. <laughs> but, yeah, dude, I'll, I'll get in my head for sure. All right, so we need a match between me and you. Okay. You're, giving, you're playing left-handed. I can do that. That's fine. Play left-handed. Okay. But I'm bringing, I'm bringing people to chirp. That's fine. And I'm chirping you. That's fine. We can do that. I think that should be a Norman golf. I have a very unpopular opinion that fans, spectators, should be able to shout in people's backswings. <laughs> I, I, seriously, like, you're allowed to do it in basketball. You're allowed to do it in football. You're about to, why do you have to be in quiet in golf? Like, focus. Just, like, learn to lock in. I remember there was this one guy at this club I worked at. He was at the Ryder Cup. Deer was in Wisconsin, which yeah. I think was Whistling's 2021? Maybe. Or 2022. Whatever it was. So this guy... Somehow, white dude somehow knows um, Polynesian. What he's watching Finau yells something in Pol Polynesian and Finau's backswing. No shot. And almost gets kicked out of the. Really? I think he said I don't know what he said in Polynesian, but apparently he just it was like hit it hard. Yeah, yeah. Like that. In the backswing. See? That's what I love about the waste management. Yeah. yeah. It's because people just go crazy. But that's the thing. Like you, you can do that. Like but you now, like whole, if you make enough noise. Now it's white noise, and now it's exciting, and now it's like, mm -hmm. let's say you're you're allowed to make noise in in a golf tournament. Like this is a theory that I have. If you are allowed to shout in people's backswings, and that's going to distract your favorite player, 
obviously you want to help your favorite player out. So now you're going to go and try to match that volume, but with white noise. So if there's going to be people shouting in your friend's backswing or your oh, favorite player's backswing, I didn't think about it like that. now the fans have an incentive to come and support their favorite player because everybody's yelling at once. And when everybody's yelling at once, now you create white noise and it's easy. Like your white noise is fine. You got a lawnmower going on in your backswing. Fine. It's just the quick noises that really like kill you. So if, you, if there's going to be people out there trying to distract your player, well, then you got to go and try to match that and level that volume. It's going to get rid of all the... It's going to get all rid of all the 25 handicaps. Seriously. Dude, yeah. stop talking to my backswing. No, it doesn't me. matter. You hit four in the trees yeah, on the tee box and still said you got a pump. Yeah, they're not on that list. It's like that one, like... It's the one Bill Murray commercial. Yeah, just count yeah, up his yeah. scores, like... In the sand. Yeah. In the sand. Over the green. On the green. Par. Par. <laughs> No, yeah, no, but I, I think that's, um, I mean, th that's isn't that like that would no, be that's, great, but especially great with like the way like golf is trending. Oh yeah, it's now like especially like I think COVID too. Like we talked about this, like COVID boomed golf, and golf was only shut down for a month. Yeah, and people are like, we're gonna ride on the course if we can't go play, exactly. and then everyone started playing now. Like, and now with the you know expansion of nil and content creation short form it all was just like this perfect storm and then like tiger obviously winning in 2019 like yeah. it was just like this perfect storm that really like made golf like a whole nother level yeah and then brought in streetwear brands like malvin and Eastside golf the people and all it's like making it trendy and now it's this whole big thing so i think golf does need to be i agree like more commercialized where you know sure. people can't you can bring more of an entertainment factor yeah. into it. I mean, that's that's the whole point. That's why Liv is doing what they're doing, right? They're trying to make it more entertaining. They're trying to make it better for your players. So, PGA Tour, pay your players and then, you know, let the fans shout. For sure. That's kind of how it's going to get good. How do you feel about, like, where the sport of golf is going right now? I'm hopeful. Hopeful? I'm hopeful. I want to take it to new um, heights. For sure. That, uh, I think that... My grandfather obviously was an innovator of the game. Right. One day I want to be an innovator of the game too. So for now I'm just trying to get on the tour, but down the line, for sure. I'd love to help it be more popular, bring more entertainment factor to it. Well, so. Definitely. All right. With that being said, we went almost an hour, but did we really? Dude, yeah. We were, yeah, we were talking a while. With that being said, this concludes our episode. I think our camera overheated. Did it actually? Yeah, I think that's why it shut off. Anyway, do you want to try redoing? Nah, it's right before we go there. Okay, cool. It's just the outro. I don't think. Anyone's really going to see this. With that being said, this concludes our episode. Dude, thank you, Tegan. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Dude, great talking to you. I mean, I'm glad we got to meet up before. Yeah. Kick it. Dude, killed it. Thanks, man. You got another pod tomorrow, so this is like the prelude for you. Great. <laughs> yeah. Figured out. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got, yeah, you'll be great. Thanks. Send me that. You got to send me that podcast episode. When I will. It. Yeah, I will. It's going to be fun. Have your boy listen to ours and. You know, Absolutely. Compare who's better. Hunter for that. Shout locker room media. This is this is what we do. But with that being said, Tegan, sign us off. Thanks, guys. I'm Tegan Andrews, and this is the locker room where sports unite us and stories inspire us. Peace out, y'all. <laughs>